With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Sharp Money presented by DraftKings, VSIN, the sports betting network. from Super Bowl 58, San Francisco and Kansas City in Las Vegas. Right now, that number, San Francisco Lane 247 on the total. As we welcome you back, Amal Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson. We're going to be joined by Ted Wynn, the athletic NFL writer and film analyst. You can find Ted on Twitter at FB underscore film analysis. Of course, as we say hi to Ted. Ted, we'll get into the game. I did want to ask you, if you didn't mind, the big news today. Seattle Seahawks have hired 36-year-old defensive coordinator with the Ravens, Michael Mc- Mike McDonald, pardon me, as their next head coach. What do you think about the hire? I love the hire. Um, Mike McDonald was at the top of my list as far as candidates and I'm a little bit biased because I, I know people that have worked with them and, and have talked with them and they all rave about his ability as a teacher and uh, his prowess and the X's O's. And obviously we see that on the field. And I just think, you know, being a teacher is one of the most important things you could do as a coach. And just his ability to install that offense and just change his game plan from week to week and have his uh, defense be able to learn that game plan and execute at such a high level really speaks to the type of coach he is. So I, I think um, the Seahawks have been searching for a defensive identity for a while. They've been trying to, run that Vic Fangio defense, and it just really hasn't uh, worked for them. But now they have a real defensive identity. They have some young, really exciting young defensive players like Devin Witherspoon. Um, And I think this is a really good hire for them. And I I think they're going to be a a tough team um, to beat moving forward with McDonald. Ted, Washington is the last opening remaining. Who do you believe they'll end up choosing? And how far apart were they potentially with Ben Johnson on the money? The rumor was $15 million he was requesting. Is that something you've heard, or is that just kind of speculative? And if so, how far was Washington willing to go in terms of paying him? Yeah, you know, I'm not too sure. I haven't heard too much about the money issue. Um, but to me, it seems like Ben Johnson is happy in Detroit. seems like he has a good working relationship with Dan Campbell, and, you know, I, I believe it when he says that he didn't want to move partially because of his family. And I think if there was a money issue, I think maybe he, it was just like, I don't want to go. But if you make it worth it and <laughs> you, know, you beat this super high contract demand, then I'll go, you know. But uh, to me, it was just all about like, I, I'm happy in Detroit and I'm just throw this number figure out there. And if you if you decide to match that and, and uh, give me that money, then then I'll go. But if not, I'm perfectly happy where I am. I agree with you, Ted. I think everybody's got a number. So if Washington really wanted Ben Johnson, I think we could probably get him. However, let's get to the Super Bowl. Does it surprise you just because of the Mahomes effect that San Francisco is favored by two 11 days out? Yeah, I, I thought, you know, after Mahomes was able to uh, score 17 points against a very hard, uh, very tough Ravens defense at their home stadium, I, I thought it would be, I thought the spread would be a little bit more. Uh, but I think, you know, there are some matchups that the Niners um, have that are favorable to them to, you know, to, to see why that, 
why that spread isn't too large. I know, you know, the Niners are going to be able to run the ball on Chiefs defense. The Chiefs de- defense is susceptible to the run. They were ranked 22nd in the defensive success rate, which is why it was so surprising that the Ravens decided not to run the ball against them and go a really pass heavy uh, script, which plays into their strengths. When you look at the matchup in the Super Bowl, how does San Francisco exploit the weaknesses on defense for the Kansas City Chiefs? They've been tremendous all season long and probably not gotten enough credit. What does San Francisco do well in that particular matchup? Yeah, I think the answer is they have to go heavy personnel and they have to run the ball. I mean, the Chiefs want to play nickel. They want to play dime. They want to get their best players on the field, which is their defensive backs. Um, and they, they want to rush the passer and they, they don't want to defend a run. They're 22nd in defensive success rate, like I, I mentioned, um, and you have to stay patient. And I think um, the Chiefs being able to jump out to a quick 14-0 lead really got the, the Ravens to panic and just start passing the ball. Uh, but you really have to run, the, try to run the ball against this front. Um, you know, they don't, they're not that heavy inside. Um, they, they have good pass rushing defensive tackles like Chris Jones, and they have fast linebackers, uh, but, but they just aren't that big. And I think you can, get them inside by running and then you, it opens up the play action game. Um, they are susceptible to scrambling quarterbacks as well. Since 2022, um, including playoffs, they are the fifth worst team in, in terms of EPA against uh, design quarterback runs and scrambles. And obviously they're not going to design runs for Brock Purdy. Uh, but as you saw against the Lions, Brock Purdy um, can do some damage with his legs scrambling. He scrambled for six first downs. Um, because of the way the Chiefs play defense is they like to play a lot of man. They like, like to play a lot of match coverages, which means their defensive backs are going to be turning their, their backs on the quarterback, and that opens up some scrambling lanes. So I think Brock Purdy's legs are going to be an issue here, and I, I think Brock Purdy's over-under on rushing yards right now is just 12.5, so I think that's a pretty good uh, prop bet if, you, uh, if you, you're looking for those. Well, I'll give you a better one. It's 11 and a half at DraftKings right now. So good one there, Ted. I'm going to point to one in particular. It's lofty, but Christian McCaffrey right now, DraftKings, his rush prop is set at 88 and a half. Where would you go with that one? Now, that's a high, that's a big number. That's steep. I get it. But like you said, the 49ers are going to want to try to run the ball. Yeah, I think that's a good prop bet because, like I said, I, I, Kyle Shanahan is not going to panic when it comes to um, abandoning the run. He's going to keep running the ball, and McCaffrey takes a, a majority of the, the carries, almost all the carries. They they rarely give the ball to Elijah Mitchell or or Jordan Mason. Uh, so I, I think that's a pretty good bet. And like I said, the Chiefs are susceptible against the run. They're a, a, a bottom half run defense. If if you really try to uh, put some heavy bodies on the field and and move them. Let's go on the other side. San Francisco struggled against the run. We saw Detroit be able to exploit that. Isaiah Pacheco in this game, he's got a total of 66 and a half over under on the rushing yards. Would you be likely to go over or under on Pacheco? I, you know, I, I'm not sh- sure on that one because, you know, Reed is susceptible to abandoning the run. Um, and, you know, I, I think you can get this uh, Niners defense against a run, especially with those outside tosses like uh, Detroit did. Uh, but for me, just anytime you're, you know, you have the chiefs offense, I, I'm just not very committed to, um, betting that they're going to continue to run the ball. Uh, but I think, you know, you, uh, Rasheed Rice will get some runs too. Um, you know, they might, if Kadarius Tony plays, I wouldn't be surprised to see them design up some runs for him too. Um, but I, that's a bit of a high number for me to commit to Pacheco. Ted Wynn joining us here, Sharp Money, presented by DraftKings. Of course, the athletic football analyst, NFL analyst. Let's let's talk about the flow of the game here, Ted. And We've got a total of 47. So I want you to take the total and just kind of think about the flow of 49ers Chiefs and whether or not you think it goes over the total or under. Yeah, I've been going back and forth on this one, but ultimately I think it's going to go over because I think – uh, the Chiefs are going to be able to score points on this Niners defense. They just haven't been good. I know the Niners have a reputation for being a top 10 defense, uh, but they've given up a lot of points, especially in, in the postseason. And there's some major weaknesses in this defense. They can't really rush the passer outside, outside of uh, Nick Bosa. Aubrey, Aubrey Thomas, their uh, starting outside corner, is giving up a ton of yards. He's giving up a bunch of penalties. 
Uh, I think they're really missing Hufanga, who got hurt during the season. Um, they they had a lot of injuries at safety. Uh, so I think there's a lot of holes in this defense. And I think, you know, giving Andy Reid two weeks to plan against it, um, they're going to find ways to move the ball. And like I said, I think the Niners, Kyle Shanahan is going to have a good um, game plan coming in. And they're, they're going to be able to exploit this defense running, running the ball. So I, I think it goes over. Ted, any concerns from a San Francisco pr perspective on the special teams with Moody? He's a, a young kicker. Uh, he had a miss in the NFC Championship game. Does that kind of sway Kyle Shanahan, even though the game is going to be in a dome? Yeah, Kyle Shanahan has been a little bit more aggressive on fourth down this season. Uh, I think he trusts Brock Purdy. Um, and, you know, I think that should he should take into account that Jake Mo Moody is a rookie kicker, and he's, you know, and, and the week 18, he missed an extra point and he missed a field goal and he, he missed a field goal in the postseason. And this is going to be the biggest game of his career. So um, anything over, you know, 48 yards, if you have a fourth and one or fourth and two, I think he should be more aggressive. Um, historically, he has been a conservative coach. Uh, but like I said, he trusts Brock Purdy. He's been a little bit more aggressive. So I hope to see a more aggressive uh, Kyle Shanahan when it comes to those situations. Let's have fun with one more prop. So against the Lions in the NFC Championship game, Purdy threw for 267, Ted. Now you mentioned they're going to want to try to establish the run. His passing prop for Super Bowl 58, Purdy, is 245 and a half. I'm just throwing the number at you. Your immediate blush is what? Over the 245 and a half or under? Got to be under to, for me. This, this Chiefs pass defense is too good. Um, they're going to double Brandon Ayuk. Um, and Debo Samuel's not going to get those free access routes that he has against softer defenses that play off of him. They're, the, these Chiefs defenders are going to come up and press um, these receivers and really challenge them, and I have a difficult time seeing them win on a consistent basis. Um, you know, Maybe George Kittle is a bigger factor against those Chiefs linebackers, uh, but, but I think it's going to be tough for um, the Niners to create big plays and move the ball consistently through the air against this Chiefs defense. We like that. That was a snap call on the under passing yards for Brock Purdy. Good job, Ted. Ted Wynn, the athletic NFL writer and film analyst at FB underscore film analysis on Twitter. Thank you, Ted. Appreciate the time. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Liked it. He had strong opinions on those props too, boys, which is something obviously becoming, this is proliferation of props has become crazy. And what we'll try to do over the next 11 days is give you as many guests, giving you as many picks as far as props are concerned. And when we return, let's jump into the MVP market. Have a little fun with it. The big guy's got a nice little graphic for the last 10 MVP winners in the Super Bowl. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiments and Billy made raisins dance. That is so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! <laughs> Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to get you. 
all this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Okay, check out the brand new VSIN.com. Got a new paint job, and everybody's thrilled with it. A fresh new look, enhanced navigation, mobile first focus, improved functionality. Works great on your cell phone. Very reactive. Expanded educational content. It's all there at VSIN.com. We welcome you back here on Sharp Money. I'm all shot, Dustin Sweetelson. I'm Patrick Maher. Hope you're having a nice week. Last day of January, we turned the corner into February tomorrow, of course, and then we will have, what, we're 11 days out from Super Bowl 58 to the 49ers are laying at 47 on the total over at DraftKings. Wanted to have a little fun with this, and Amal, you said it during the break. You know, again, the market for MVP, much different from Super Bowl and full season markets, okay? So for the most part, you're going to have quarterbacks winning the MVP over a long season. But the last 10 Super Bowls, we've had 10, excuse me, six quarterbacks and four non-quarterbacks. So last year, of course, it was Mahomes. Boys, the year before, wide receiver Cooper Cup, six to one were his odds. Tom Brady, at plus 190 the year before, Mahomes was a favorite, minus 105. He won the MVP against the 49ers. Edelman, of course, remember, against the Falcons, 25-1. to 1. I'm just giving you the numbers to give you context here. Nick Foles at plus 460 won the MVP. Tom Brady, plus 125. Von Miller, a defensive player, keep that in note, 25-1. to 1. Tom Brady, 2-1. to 1. And then Malcolm Smith, 10 years ago, won the Super Bowl, the linebacker for the Seahawks. I don't believe, I guess it was probably a field number, correct, boys? It was not yeah. available as far as the individual player. Uh, probably right. I can't remember. But, yeah, it sounds about correct in that Super Bowl. Anything stand out? Just kind of taking a look. I mean, obviously, the first thing that stands out is you do have, you can have a little fun with the MVP market, and we'll go through some of the numbers for this year. But like you said, all just six of the last 10 were quarterbacks. Yeah, that's the first thing that stood out to me. A little bit surprising. And I looked historically at the numbers as well. Now, what is this Super Bowl? This is Super Bowl number 58, correct? Yes. Correct. We've had 32 quarterbacks that have been Super Bowl MVP. Wide receivers, eight. Running backs, seven. And then you're going back basically to the defensive side of the ball there. So... The majority of them are going to come from the offensive side of the ball, uh, but not quite the slam dunk you would think for quarterbacks historically. So I would proceed with a little bit of caution. And then here's a simple principle on this one. Uh, you're going to go with an MVP that is on the winning side. I think there's only been one MVP, if I'm not mistaken, on the losing side. Chuck Howley, I think that was Super that Bowl. That sounds right, one. Super Bowl five. I, I don't remember, but it, so you got to pick which side you think is going to win and then align your MVP bet with that team. Yeah. Howley. Okay, so right now, let me take a look at the market. No surprise here. Your two favorites are going to be the quarterbacks, even though, like we said, he can take a shot. Mahomes is plus 125. Just seeing a plus next to his name right now is interesting to me. Purdy's plus 225. I do have more on him as the week progresses into next week. I think I'll just tease you boys. I think I'm all the way in on Purdy. Like, all the way in. Well, well, that performance against the Lions, I, I, it, he is he's something. Like, I could, for a while, I couldn't shake the stink of that Super Bowl, excuse me, of that Baltimore Raven game at home. I think it was Christmas night. Yep. I couldn't shake that because he was so bad in that, in that game. But he has, 
again, we, I can tease it a little bit unless you guys want to throw in an anecdote, but Purdy has really impressed me. Well, my question is when you say you're all in on him and you don't have to get into what you're going to break down next week, but what I'm saying is you were not necessarily on board with him. You thought he was a byproduct of the system and the team around him. Where are you kind of on him as an individual? Every time over the last few weeks that he's faced adversity, he's gotten better. Yeah. And he started off in the rain. He started off terribly. But then that last drive, and I even coming out of that one was like, is one drive, I'm not going to necessarily put too much stock into it. Sure. I would specifically talk about being down 17 at the half, a ton of pressure, and just the way he played in the second half. Big throws, big runs, knew when to take off. Like, for example, the best runner in the history of the league is Lamar Jackson. And Lamar, his clock, his internal clock was off when to take off. And Mr. Irrelevant, Purdy, on Sunday night, just very decisive. I loved every decision he made in that second half. I I couldn't be more impressed with this kid right now. I I love what you said there in the comparison to Lamar. If you guys had a chance to see the overhead shot of a still photo in terms of Lamar on the sack fumble play, there was a lane. It was 15 yards for free for the taking. He chose not to take it. You mentioned it. Purdy had that crucial run. I think it was third down at about four. might have been plus or minus a yard or two there. But he had that huge run against the the Lions that was crucial on the drive where they ended up scoring the late touchdown. Yeah, I mean, like, for example, we had uh, Fezzik in studio the other day, and he had Dak Prescott at, like, number five on his list as far as how he applies the number. He can't be in your. I don't think he could be in your top ten I, at this point. I'm putting Purdy above him. Uh, That's we, where I'm at. Can we also have a discussion about how this guy has? He's he's in his second year. He's still getting better. He only started five games a year ago. Yeah. Like I I think there's too much of we're judging him based on how hot he's gotten off to a start. But let's say he was you know drafted in the fourth round last year and. He was then starting, you know, from day one, and we were getting the, these results out of him. You know what we be saying about Brock Purdy? You know what? He's really good, and there's a ton of room to improve. I think the being Mr. Relevant is still being held against what his potential is, despite our eyes actually seeing what his potential is as a player. I disagree. I think it's when you look at the Niners as a collective. Trent Williams is a Hall of Famer. George Kittle's a Hall of Famer. Brandon Ayuk's an absolute stud. Christian McCaffrey, Patrick talked about it yesterday. He's got the potential, if he keeps adding to it, is a Hall of Famer. When you look at the players, five guys, and I didn't even mention Debo yet, those five guys on that offense are so elite that I think people have an expectation of, you just need to show up and not screw it up kind Uh, of thing. But we've seen plenty of quarterbacks have good weapons and not do anything. I mean, there's a reason, like, the pressure is on that position, and... I think Brock Purdy deserves a little bit more credit for understanding his role in the system, playing his role in the system, and executing at a really high level. Ultimately, he has to execute, and he does it very consistently. I feel like Amal wants... Easy, big guy. You're getting it over an illness. I can see he's getting... See, when you said you disagreed, the big guy does not like to be disagreed with. So maybe it's the way you phrased it. Like, I think you both had valid points. I could just feel through the screen Dustin being like, don't disagree with me. No, I'm okay with him disagreeing with me. How dare you? I'm okay with him disagreeing with me. Are you? Are you really? I've I've gone. I'll be the first one to admit. I was hot. I was low on Brock Purdy coming to the year a couple weeks in. I went, you know what? Uh, He's better than I thought. Then he had that rough stretch where everyone was hurt to Amal's point. He didn't elevate his game. But... I still think there's a guy in there that is being judged a little too harshly because if he had been a first-round pick from last year, we'd look at his results and go, you know what, he's coming along nicely, he's developing in year two, and there's a lot of room for growth, but what we've seen so far is a really good NFL quarterback. I think he's been very good. I think he's a top 10, top 12 quarterback, but my argument is when you look around from a talent standpoint, I mean... Other guys just don't have the same talent that's been compiled. Derek Carr had a ton of talent with the Raiders and stunk. Oh, see, he's upset. See, here's what I <laughs> Trevor Lawrence has a ton say. of talent I, in, no, in Jacksonville. I, I know. Purdy's I, better I, than the guy. I'm jo- oh, there's I'm no question. But here's here's where I give him more credit. I'm now less bullish on Kyle Shanahan. 
That's my point. We always point to Shanahan and say, well, he's just going to make everybody better. I've been less impressed with Shanahan, so I feel like he and the others are picking up the slack. If the, I know that's kind of convoluted, but do no, you guys see where no, I'm no, going no. with that? 100% agree with you, and I'll tell you, I'll extend that point. It happens in the draft. It happens in evaluation of players. We get this narrative that one person is good, and all of us have a tendency, and I, I am 100% guilty of it. Well, Kyle Shanahan's a good coach. Then you see the statistics when his teams are behind. You're like, maybe he's not as good as we thought he was or we think he is. And that's the reality with Shanahan. And maybe it's the players that have elevated him along the way also. And I think it applies to draft picks. We're going to see that with Caleb Williams. Nobody wants to sit there and call Drake May out. Drake May, what has he done at Carolina that's warranting the second or third overall pick? But nobody wants to stand on that island. Big guy, here's what I'm saying, because I think you agree with me on Purdy. It, Lamal just mentioned it. Shanahan, 25 opportunities, 14-plus down, regular season and postseason with the 49ers, had only come back twice. Purdy just did it in the NFC Championship game for the third time. See what I'm saying? Like, there is something about him. That's what I'm saying. I'd say, what, Shanahan's best quarterback he's ever coached is Kirk Cousins? I think Purdy has the potential to be better than Kirk Cousins, Matt, and I, I'm a big Cousins guy. Matt Ryan. I think he has potential to be better than Matt Ryan because of his legs. And now I'm crushing Shanahan, but didn't Shanahan coach Ryan into an MVP that year? Yes. Yes. So, well, just quickly, 475 on McCaffrey, juicy. Kelsey, 12 to 1 if he continues. Debo, there's some juicy prices. You can go to DraftKings and check out these numbers. Remember, last 10 years, just six MVP winners in the Super Bowl were quarterbacks. You can have a little fun with this market. When we return, we're going to transition to a little college basketball. Our buddy Matt McCall, Field of 68, former college basketball coach, joins us. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Okay, get a yearly subscription for $1.99. Daily best bets, betting splits, big game betting guide. The promo code is SHARP, S-H-A-R-P, vcin.com slash subscribe. So our next guest killed it with us last year, Coach Matt McCall. The Field of 68, also doing great with the games on NBC Sports. College basketball analyst, you can find him on Twitter, at Coach Matt McCauley, just told us when he and his wife go on vacation, they like to go to LaSalle University. Okay, let's do let's do this. I know you've been on a couple of calls with my Gamecocks. Coach, just full disclosure, I went to South Carolina, but can we talk about the win in Knoxville last night? That was a hell of an effort by the boys. That was a hell of an effort. I mean, it, it, you know, nobody wins in Thompson Bowling Arena. Nobody. I mean, you go back to the 2006-2007 teams that I was a part of at the University of Florida with Noah, Horford, Brewer, and the boys that went back-to-back -back national championships. They went 0-3 in there. So, hmm. I mean, it is what, – what a win for the Gamecocks. I mean, Lamont Paris, the job that he's doing, hands down SEC Coach of the Year. Um, if the season ended right now, it, it's really impressive. They've got the right bunch. He took the right transfers. B.J. Mackey to insert him into that lineup, and they've kind of played a small ball where they just space you out. They can switch ball screens and do those types of things. Man, it's credit Lamont Paris because when he took the job coming from Chattanooga, and I'm, I'm, I'm a coach that came from Chattanooga before I took UMass. When he took South Carolina, you're kind of scratching your head saying, oh, man, had he stayed? Is that the right job for him? Can he get it done there? And, man, he's getting it done there. Super impressive. So credit him. Coach, we've been talking a lot about Ben Johnson, the Detroit Lions, turning down the opportunity in Washington. As a coach who went from Chattanooga to UMass, tell us what your perspective is on when you're looking at a job and an opportunity. Aside from the monetary gain, what are some of the other things that are part of the equation that make you choose a job or maybe potentially turn the job down? Yeah, I'm probably the wrong guy to ask. Um, because I left Chattanooga and, and went to UMass, and, and five years later, I'm sitting here talking to you guys as a part of the media. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think there's, some, there's a bunch of factors. I think the biggest factor you have to look at is what's the success? What, what, is, what has transpired prior to you taking the job? And I talked to Chris Caputo a bunch about this a bunch, who's now the head coach at, at GW, He's like, look, multiple coaches have taken this team to the NCAA tournament. 
multiple. And even though maybe they fired the previous coach, other guys have gotten it done. So I think you have to, especially at the mid-major level, I think you have to look at that. Um, Have other people had success and gone to the tournament? In recent years, you know, you look at UMass and that's, that's a place that, you know, outside of the John Calipari years, it's it's been a challenge. And I think Frank Martin's doing a phenomenal job. I give him a, a tremendous amount of credit. And I've known Frank since I was in high school. Um, I think he's doing great. And I think they have a chance to win 20 games this year. But I think you have to look at that. Who's won? What's the region? What's the area? Can you recruit there? Um, but the biggest factor is, is have they had success? And then at the high major level, it's like, what, what situation are you walking into? You know, who are you taking over for? You know, you look at some of these guys, and and, I, and I'll throw Kyle Neptune at Villanova, and I know Kyle spent a number of years at Villanova as an assistant. That's not an easy situation to take over for a living legend. And he retires. You've only been a head coach for one year. You get the job, and expectations are completely through the roof. John Shire, same thing at Duke. Expectations are completely through the roof. That's That's not easy to deal with for those guys. So I think there's a lot of factors that go into it. But I don't know if I'm maybe through my experience, I'm the right guy to ask. Um, but, you know, probably should have stayed at chat hindsight 2020. <laughs> <laughs> no, Matt McCall, uh, Coach Matt McCall, of course, on Twitter, Field of 68, NBC Sports. So he's doing good for himself. And remember, last year, you came on this show and every chance you got, you talked about FAU and he said, boys, I'm telling you, FAU is legit. And you could, you would not stop about the team. I think I came on the show at, at the final four. Didn't I come on? You did. I was at the final four. You did because we said, dude, this, this team's made such a run. You got to join us for the final four. I, I know it's a broad question, but are there a couple of teams that remind you of that last year's FAU this year? Fellas, I had them out in Arizona at the Arizona tip-off. I, I think Grand Canyon could really make a run. They lost to South Carolina out there, uh, who we all know, just talking about them, is a really good basketball team. Grand Canyon's good. They're for real. Tyon Grant Foster is one of the best stories in all of college basketball. Um, you know, he collapsed on the floor at DePaul, started his career at Kansas. I mean, you, you want to see what an NBA player looks like? He fits the mold thousand percent um i think what coach drew's doing out there going through what he went through at vanderbilt and having to kind of re rejuvenate himself taking that job over that is a scary team if you get matched up with them in the NCAA tournament and you're a bcs level team a high major team you're concerned because they are for real they are really good so i think grand canyon is the team that i look at right now that that can really make a run and the other team is is it's not rick patino it's richard I mean, New Mexico and the guard play <laughs> and the shooting, the Lobos are for real. And Richard texted me after I anointed them my final four dark horse. We had to pick a, a team on the field of 68 that wasn't ranked in the top 25. And at that point in time, New Mexico was not. And I put New Mexico in the final four as my not top 25 team. And Richard texted me and said, what are you doing? You're giving us expectations <laughs> right now. He said, Richard, your team's good. You're for real. Embrace it. You guys got a chance. So, yeah, I, I New Mexico with the guard play, Jalen House, Mashburn, uh, who plays the game completely different the way his dad played it. I really, really like the Lobos. Pitt's a difficult place to play right now. They're winning a lot of games, and they're not just winning. They're winning big. Coach, we've got some big games coming up this weekend. Duke is at Carolina, Florida, excuse me, uh, Tennessee at Kentucky, St. Mary's at Gonzaga. Uh, any of them stand out in a team that you think could either – win at home dominant fashion or potentially pull an upset on the road there. I love how you said Florida at Kentucky and that's actually tonight. Yeah. 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 But it should, it should be a Saturday night primetime ESPN game. Like it was back in the day. Well, season finale uh, at the Odome every year. It was unbelievable. The rivalry that we had and we we've got to get that. The, the rivalry has been a little bit one-sided. It's a big game tonight. Hopefully the Gators can, can go up there and give, give the cats a fight. Um, I, I do still believe that Kentucky and Tennessee are the cream of the crop of the SEC. I think they're the two best teams. I think that's a game that you got to keep your eye on. Dalton Connect, he's got to be the odds-on favorite right now to win SEC Player of the Year. Uh, that's going to be a great one. And then Duke Carolina, it's one of the greatest rivalries in all of college sports. I mean, you cannot discount that. I don't care who's been the coach. 
who, whoever's been on the roster. It's, it's one of the best rivalries. And I think maybe that's why you saw Carolina kind of overlooking Georgia Tech last night, right? I mean, they're looking forward to that game. And who is the best team in the ACC, which is having a down year? It was called like it is. The ACC is not the ACC of old. Um, so I think maybe that's why, you know, Carolina only made 12 of 20 free throws last night on the road. They made two more free throws than when they came instead of shooting 52, 54%, whatever that percentage is. So I, I think that's it's still one of the greatest rivalries in all of college sports, even though Coach K is gone, even though Roy Williams is gone got to tune into that one because there'll be some excitement and theatrics in that game. Coach, you got about two minutes. I want to ask you about a matchup tonight. It's in Athens. Nice spot for Georgia here. Here comes Bama ranked. Bama's a six-point favorite on the road at Georgia. Give me your thoughts on that one. I like the dogs. I do. I think the dogs have had their opportunities. They were down 21 on Saturday uh, in the exact tech arena. It's not the O'Connell Center. It's not the O-Dome anymore. It's the exact tech arena down in Gainesville. <laughs> um, and they had chances. They had a shot in the air to win the game. So, and I thought that they should have beaten Tennessee. I, I really do. I, they had chances in that game at home. So um, I like the dogs in that one. I, definitely to cover. I think Mike White is is doing a great job. I thought he did a great job at Florida, you know, in terms of the circumstances he was walking into, taking over for I know I'm biased, but one of the greatest college basketball coaches of all time and Billy Donovan um, to walk in there and keep that program relevant. You know, did they go to a final four? No, they were one shot away. They're, you know, the one game away from going to a final four. And, you know, the SEC championships, when Mike White had that team essentially in the NCAA tournament, if not every year, pretty consistently. And now, you know, Gator fans are tough. They're difficult to deal with as an alum, as someone that worked there for a long time. But you could see he's happy at Georgia, uh, and I think he's doing a great job. So I think the dogs bounce back tonight, and this will be a great opportunity for them to get a quality win, which they which they really need. And I think they've had chances, but I think they can get this one tonight. Coach Matt McCall, the Coach Field Matt. of 68, NBC Sports, college basketball analyst at Coach Matt McCall on Twitter. Coach, you're the best. We look forward to talking to you as the tournament approaches. Thank you so much. Anytime, guys. Let's make it a weekly appearance. We'd love to do it. Hey, hey, hey. from your lips, you said it. Now you're committed, so we're going to do that. College basketball is heating up. Okay, I look forward to it. By the way, he's got Detroit Mercy this year to the Final Four. Oh, no, I don't (laughs) think so. Coach McCall, thank you so much. We're going to come back with our plays tonight here on Sharp Money. Hannah Storm and my podcast NBA DNA with Hannah Storm digs deep into the history of professional basketball along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiment and Billy made raisins dance. That is so cool, Billy. He did. (laughs) Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! (laughs) Bet you can't. 
can't catch me. I'm going to get you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Okay, DraftKings in the Super Bowl. It's a great combination. New customers bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets using the promo code VSIN. B S I N. Again, it's DraftKings. Download the app. Five bucks gets you 200 DraftKings, the crown is yours. We welcome you back here. Sharp Money. I'm Patrick Maher. Of course, Amal Shaw and Dustin Sweetelson. Live downtown Las Vegas at the D. We're presented by the aforementioned DraftKings. So, you guys want to have a little fun? I'm going to start off the betting for tonight. And Sweetelson and Mr. Shaw, you guys are going to laugh at my first suggestion. But I love it. And I'm going to give it to you right now. The Pistons. My Detroit Pistons. <laughs> not yours, Dustin. Are at the Cavs. Oh, I don't want them. You could have them. You shouldn't. There's no reason to want them. They're at the Cavs, and they're catching 12 and a half tonight. And you're thinking to yourself, wait, hold on now. The Cavs just beat two nights ago, just beat the Clippers. They could potentially get Darius Garland back from injury tonight. It's a good team. However, did you know, not so fast, my friend, did you know the Detroit Pistons have won two of three, including a win against the Oklahoma City Thunder the last time out. Not only that, they've won two of three, the Pistons, but they've covered in seven of their last eight. Okay? Remember this. The Pistons have covered in seven of the last eight. And probable tonight, their best player, Cade Cunningham, potentially returning, most likely returning from everything I see from injury. Again, I'm not telling you to take the plus five and a half on the money line. Give me the 12 and a half points. They played the Cavs twice this year. Both games have been close. I'm getting 12 and a half with a team that's on a heater. Yes, two of three for the Pistons this year, unfortunately, is designated as a heater, but they're covering nonstop. Give me the 12 and a half and the Pistons. What's up? Darius Garland may return for Cleveland, but will likely be on a, on a minutes limit and potentially no Jared yeah, Allen. Yeah underneath that could be a big game for Duran, uh the center for for Detroit I like your play on, on catching 12 and a half Thank with you. this one oh, also th you. think about both games Cleveland never exceeded 110 in both games they win the road game I think by eight points or seven points at home now you're getting 12 and a half here in this spot Detroit covered at home in the December matchup losing by nine look there's a difference we can sit there and talk about the Pistons being six and 40 in total but having to win by 13 points, we talked about the potential out guys that are out for Cleveland just now. It's not a bad play at all. Let's go. I like that. little cosign from the boys. All right, let's ping pong back and forth. Dustin, you'll go next, and Maul's got a couple of college plays as well. All right, first one here, Mason Plumley. We're going to go over 15 and a half points and rebounds. I don't do a lot of matchup-based player props. Most of my stuff is... Who is, if someone is out, who's going to benefit from more usage, more opportunities? But when it comes to matchups, the only team I like to focus on playing against is big men taking on the Wizards. Washington allows the most points and the most rebounds to opposing centers. You look at what some centers have done against them recently. Wemby in the last couple games has hit them for 33 and 32 combined points and rebounds. The aforementioned Jalen Duran, 28. Utah doesn't really have a center, but Marketing had 36. Gobert with Minnesota, 34. Jokic, 54. And even Hartenstein from the Knicks had 23 points and rebounds against them. I think for Plumlee, he's a guy who won't be pulled from the game if it ends up being a blowout. We will go over 15 and a half points and rebounds for Mason Plumlee, who should feast against a horrible Washington front court. Like that there call you go. there. Oh, Mason Plumlee. Let's go Richmond. 
Amal, you're going to lay two with Richmond tonight. Yeah, Rose Hill Jim tonight up in the Bronx. Going to lay the number here with the Spiders. They've won 10 in a row, but beyond that, when you start to really break it down, this number's now toggling between one and a half to as high as two and a half. I would play this thing as, as high up to four, Patrick. I thought the number should have been four, four and a half in this one. Just a quick overview in terms of comparisons. Richmond's number one in college basketball in terms of turnovers per game, averaging eight. On the flip side, you've got a uh, Fordham team that's averaging nearly 13 turnovers per game, ranking in the low 280 in terms of their offensive output there. Uh, Richmond, just a far better shooting team, 5% better at the free throw, uh, excuse me, overall from the floor, 8% better at the free throw line. I like this Richmond Spiders team to make it 11 wins in a row here and move to 16-5 and five overall in the A-10. Dustin, do you love it? Nice play there. Dustin, what do you think about revenge? Um, it's my favorite genre of certain nope, video. Nope, nope, oh. nope. Uh, careful now. Careful. I knew you were going to go there. I shouldn't have even asked you. I got a revenge spot, and it's a little bit of a buy low on Kevin Durant, who averages 28.3 for the season, but he has struggled to score as of late. 2015, 2012 over his last four games. But I'm going to go over 24 and a half points scored with Kevin Durant tonight. Why? Revenge spot, Swede. He's at the Nets, well, and he's going to be posted up against Cam Johnson, and he goes nuts against him. And you saw what he came out and said this week. There was talk of him getting a tribute video going back to Brooklyn, and he came out and said, "Was guys, I didn't do enough while I was there. I do not deserve a tribute video. Like, move on from that mess. First of all, I want, yeah. to, go back, I want to go back to Patrick's point on the revenge. I will tell you, for me personally, in the NBA, this is one of the best betting angles. Now, this is kind of an individual going back to a former team. Uh, but I think when you look at teams in certain spots, we talked about it with the Clippers against the Celtics. Remember, the Celtics beat them in Los Angeles. Clippers go to Boston and wax them. I think there's some opportunities when you look at throughout the course of the season. Detroit's in a similar situation tonight, a double revenge spot here catching 12 and a half. So I think that's a great angle that people should look more at if they're not already doing so. Revenge spot for my guy, KD, who's been struggling to score as of late. Cam Johnson, he'll murder him at the Nets. The video from the big guy, I love it. I'm going to go over 24 and a half there with Kevin Durant. Next. All right, another one here for me, NBA prop world, Oklahoma City forward Chet Holmgren. Over 24 and a half points and rebounds, I believe I did. I wrote down points, rebounds, and assists. I'll double-check this real quick. However, I like him tonight to go off. Facing Denver, no Jokic, bunch of guys out. Uh, Jalen Williams out for the Thunder. In the three games that Williams has missed, Chet Holmgren has averaged 30.66 points and rebounds. In games against Denver, he averages 27 points and rebounds. He's gone over this total in all three games against the Nuggets, and Jokic played in them already. Without Jokic to defend the paint, I think Chet has a chance to get a few more boards. Obviously, I think he will score plenty. I like that number. I think it's a little bit low for Chet Holmgren. We'll go over. I'll get you the exact details here in a second. I believe it's okay. points and rebounds over 24 and a half. Okay, no problem. Amal, you're up. Yeah, Kentucky, big blue nation at home tonight against Florida. And I would say this, this is not like the Richmond game where you can still bet that one up to another point and a half. This game has now gone from five and a half to seven and a half in favor of Kentucky at home. I would stay away from it at seven and a half. I love the Kentucky at five and a half. Now it's getting into a much bigger number. Number. Remember, Kentucky went down to Gainesville, beat them on January 6th, and they had a two-point win in that one, I think 87-85. If you want to play the total, it's high at 172.5. But remember last time, they got to 172. Neither team shot the ball particularly well. UK was about 45-46% from the floor. Gators comparable number. Neither team overwhelming from the perimeter. So this should be a high-scoring, entertaining game. I think the number's gotten too high to bet on Kentucky right now. But I wouldn't be surprised if Big Blue wins this one by double digits. Beautiful. Big guy, do you want to clear up that number? Yeah, just points and rebounds, 24 and a half. That's what I thought it was. I just wrote it down wrong. But the numbers all are exactly what I said. Over the number two of three without Jalen Williams, but averaging 30.66. Versus Denver, averaging 27 uh, points and rebounds combined. And it's gone over that number all three against the Nuggets already this year. Flex on them. Do you want to get your last one in? Last one is Josh Green. Actually, I have two more. Brandon Miller, Oof. over 29.5 points and rebounds and assists. LaMelo Ball is out. Uh, Miller's cleared the number in five of his last seven. I think he's coming along as a rookie. I think he will get the scoring done for them. And then the last one is Josh Green. Over 19.5 points, rebounds, and assists. Numbers moved against me here. It's down to 18.5, which obviously I like it there because I like it at 19.5. All of Dallas is out. Luke is out. Kyrie's out. Lively's out. Exum and Derek Jones are doubtful. 
I thought about going Grant Williams here, but they're taking on Minnesota, and I don't like having to bet on a guy in Grant Williams who needs to get more rebounds than points if we're going to go points and rebounds combined when he's taking on the Timberwolves' front court that can absolutely just work him on, on the glass. So I think Josh Green's a guy who has not played well lately but has a chance to go off because he'll get a lot of minutes. When he's played at least 33 minutes, he has cleared this number in three of his last five. So I'm going to go Josh Green over 19.5 points, rebounds, and assists because Tim Hardaway's number is set way too high with all those guys out. Let's hope for Josh Green to go off. <laughs> so a little sassy Swedelson to end the show. It's almost like you did that. You, you gave that pick with like the hand, the hip, on, hand the hip, on the hip taking an Insta photo. <laughs> sassy. I got to dig right? underneath to find my hip. Hang on. So, boys, before we say goodbye, we open the show. Well, I open you, two op- you two open the show with the Mike McDonald news. He is the next head coach of the Seattle Seahawks, 36 years old. Life's working out for your boy. Will we have another head coach opening filled by the time we start the show tomorrow, the Commanders? What do you think? I don't think it'll happen until next week. Oh, man. If it doesn't happen until next week, it's going to be a real settled job. It already is. It's going to be the all-time set. It's like when I finally get married at 50. I think it's going to be randomly. I know we've said Dan Quinn. What's the gentleman Weaver from Baltimore? Dude, I was going to say the same thing because I know nothing. For some reason, I know nothing about him. I think it's (laughs) – they're going to throw us off the scent. You don't have to move? We shall see tomorrow. Yeah, they're going to say you don't have to move that far. (laughs) We'll see you tomorrow, Sharp Money. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.